welcome to the F1 Show. This is episode four for the 2007 Monaco Grand Prix. I'm Robin Warner. And I'm Jim Lau. Monaco is traditionally my favorite race of the year, just as far as the, the track and everything. It's amazing, and it wasn't a super exciting race, but definitely had some action to it. Can you tell us about that? Oh, sorry. Alonso captured the pole position at the Monaco Grand Prix and never looked back, taking the win and retaking the lead in the Drivers' Championship from his McLaren teammate, Lewis Hamilton, the second-place finisher. And while Hamilton occasionally put pressure on Alonso, Massa was never a threat, finishing a distant third to collect six points for Ferrari. At lap down, Giancarlo Fisichella drove a solid race to finish fourth in his Renault, ahead of both BMW Saubers, led by Robert Kubica. Alexander Wirtz collected two points in his Williams Toyota, finishing seventh, and Kimi Raikkonen delivers Ferrari one lousy point, finishing eighth. And I think that final eighth place position kind of says it all. Ferrari was not there, and McLaren was all over it. Yeah, Massa still did did pretty well to end up in third. I mean, he seemed like he did what he could with the car that he had, but... Uh... It's it's disappointing to see him down there. I don't know quite what you know. They they thought they had more pace. I guess McLaren just caught him out, and they they were able to, you know, Ferrari just had nothing for the McLarens this weekend. Yeah, and you know, last weekend, last race, we talked about Raikkonen and has bad luck following him to Ferrari, and how you know he can't seem to break this. This weekend, I think it was his fault. Uh, round two of qualifying, he uh, had a little issue with an Armco barrier, lost. And they couldn't get the car fixed in time, and he was out, disqualified from qualifying as a result, started 15th, and didn't really move anywhere. He was pretty much behind Button the entire race. Apparently he's not as good at storming through fields as I thought last week with our last episode. You know, I figured he would sort of make his way up through there with one amazing pass after the next, and he made a couple of good passes and really just didn't do much for that, you know, didn't do much after that. It puts him 15 points behind the McLaren leaders in the, in the championship, and it makes me wonder if he can even stay in it and stay competitive this year. I don't think we should rule them out just yet. However, I think this is really telling. I mean, they were talking about how Raikkonen just doesn't have the same level of commitment as the other top drivers. And I have to say that this is kind of evidence towards that. You know, this is a guy that has in the past made amazing runs through the field. And he just didn't even seem to care. It, it was an apathetic drive to me. It's hard to say that from outside the car, though. I mean, it's he certainly could have wanted it really badly inside the car, and he was keeping up on Jensen Button for a long time. Uh, then was it Nick Heidfeld got out in front of him on the, getting out of a pit, and, and then you know Jensen Button was able to pull away, and it just never really made anything of it. But we can't say he wasn't trying in the car. I mean, maybe that's all he could make that thing happen, all, all that he could make it do around, around the streets of Monaco. I'd like to remind you that Jensen Button drives for Honda, and Honda hasn't exactly been the most competitive team this year. And for him to not be able to get ahead of Button in Honda, I mean, it's Monaco, let's, let's not get this wrong. This it's wasn't Monaco. Super Oguri. This was Honda, okay? They're really slow. And <laughs> he can't, he couldn't even make a pass. I, not even in the pits. Even after the round of pits, he, he did one really long stint. One first, his first stint was really long. Came in, couldn't even make it happen in the pits. So I just think, I think Ferrari underperformed here. And Massa, to his credit, did everything he could to keep Ferrari in front, but he was still 69 seconds behind the leader. He was almost past himself. He's almost lapped, yeah. And Massa looked really drained at the end of the race. I mean, it looked like he was really just wringing that Ferrari's neck and really just doing everything he could to get it around the streets as fast as possible. But, you know, by the end of the race, looking at, uh, but, you know, they didn't have interviews for this, but after he got out in the car, he just 
was just worn out. I mean, he took the trophy and sort of held it over his head as, as though it's something he should do and then just sort of went off away. I mean, really, it's yeah, it's a podium, but uh, to see the McLaren guys pull away like that in the championship, really, you know, it does, it does hurt for Felipe. And, and he, it's like he tried his hardest, but that's all he could bring to this event. Well, to me, he didn't even look drained so much as he just put out. I think he was just frustrated and disgusted with the way the weekend went. Of course, it wasn't how he planned it. You know, he's getting used to that pole position. Yeah, after a, a pole win and fastest lap. Right. To be you know, able to... after he has his nice little trifecta, the race, uh, you know, the race before, he gets, he gets, I mean, almost relatively butt-kissed. So, yeah. you know, he's upset, but I think rightly so by his team as a whole, not just his performance himself. I think, I think he kind of carried the team this weekend. And, and this is oh, mount, this is mounting evidence to what we were saying last podcast. Is Raikkonen the superstar? Or is Massa? Yeah, I mean, obviously Massa's ahead in the championship now, and and you know Lewis Hamilton and Fernando Alonso are just are neck and neck and pulling away. I think I think it's great, you know, just to to see that, to see you know Lewis Hamilton do so well, and 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 all the you know the new guys and whatever. But uh, yeah, we got to give Massa some credit for doing what he could with the weekend, and and it, it's unfortunate that Raikkonen's one big mistake in qualifying, um, and ended up basically blowing up the rest of his weekend and really you know getting getting nothing for it. I mean, one point at the end is you know useless almost so uh yeah to uh to have just the one mistake in qualifying i guess that shows you how unforgiving this track really is and it's it's too bad that happened to reikonen yeah well let's take a look at this championship here now alonzo now has two wins in the season he has now tied hamilton for the championship they both have 38 points but alonzo has a tiebreaker with two two wins to hamilton's none um how do you see this championship panning out now i mean it's 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 changing every weekend it's interesting yeah, I mean, at the beginning, obviously, and uh, with Australia, we, it looked like Kimi Raikkonen was unstoppable, you know, with a, a dominant win, and we all knew he was a great driver from last year, and with the Ferrari reliability behind him, it seemed like, what's to stop him from from just dominating the season? Well, apparently, Felipe Massa and Fernando Alonso. I mean, he's just really, you know, it's sort of fallen off after that. Obviously, I would love to see Lewis Hamilton go on. I mean, I think he just had an amazing drive this weekend. It looks like you could just tell he was pushing that car so hard. I mean, sliding it around some of these oh, corners. Oh, man, he had several, several close moments. And his car, balance-wise, was moving around more than anybody else's. Everybody else's car seemed pretty planted for the most part. Yeah. Uh, Hamilton's was constantly loose. Just it's like, did he hit the wall? Didn't he? Is that paint on his tire? I mean, what's going on with, here? With the onboard shots, Hamilton's I think was the only one that I really cringed every time he got so close to those walls, and it just really felt like he was having fun with it. He knows this course. He's got an excellent record here. For, well, this uh, is from this is the first time he's been to the Monaco Grand Prix and not won it. He was in Europe. He was in F three two years. Won it both times on pole both times. He won the he captured the pole and won the GP two race last year. I mean, he kind of owned this place. And there was a time there near the end of the race, in the last last third and and, and closer that uh, he when he caught back up to Alonso, that I thought maybe this would be you know he'd have an, an unchallenged uh, run at Monaco if he could actually win it in F one. But it was not to be. He ended up making a, a wiggle and um, you know actually did get into the wall and scrape some paint off, but somehow miraculously not damage the suspension on his car. But uh, ended up slowing down and, and obviously Alonso went on for the victory. But um, and that that really would have been something to have his maiden win be at Monaco, and there was a lot of talk of that in the press and everything with his incredible vict- with incredible record there. But uh, you know, not to be this weekend, but I just I mean I can't say enough for just the impressive driving this weekend from Hamilton. Well, this is a record everyone's been talking about, and it just keeps growing. It is now five podiums and five tries, and also four le- second place finishes, leading every race he's been in at least for a lap. Yeah, I mean this these are numbers that Michael Schumacher does not have. You know, and so. 
there's already something here. We have to here. look in funny places to find numbers that Michael Schumacher does not have. I mean, I guess that's that's the you know Michael Schumacher's legacy on F1 is. But that that's what's so fun about it is like, hey, this is something that statistically the greatest Formula One driver in the world hasn't done. Yeah, you know, and it's certainly let's not take Ron Dennis away from this equation. You know, the McLaren car is a beautifully, wonderfully driven car, wonderfully built car, but it's also a wonderfully driven car. Yeah, and. So the combination, it's really a team effort, but man, Lewis, Lewis Hamilton is making the most of it, and I'm going to have to swallow my words at this rate. He's going to have to make a mistake sooner. I'm just going to be plain wrong. Yeah, and I mean, I I think most everyone expects him to win at least a race this year, and I, you know, personally, I, I think it'd be fantastic if it happened. You know, in the next race at Canada or even beyond that at the U.S. Grand Prix, we should be in the stands there live, bringing you something from the, you know, some kind of. Uh, you know, live taped coverage from from the U.S. Grand Prix, and I mean, if he would win there, that would it's be huge. live, previously recorded coverage. Exactly. <laughs> yes, that's that's what I'm going for. And uh, so, I mean, I just I can't express enough how excited I am about about you know just Lewis Hamilton still going on and, and doing that. I mean, I'm still an Alonso fan. I think the McLaren lineup is just terrific this year, and obviously they're they're just running away with the constructor championship. I mean, especially with Kimi Raikkonen's problems this race and previously. I think running away is a bit of a stretch. Certainly walking, maybe even a brisk walk. But they're not running away. Well, I mean, Massa at least is going to keep Ferrari right. in the hunt for a while. McLaren's walking, but Ferrari's got a broken leg and walking slowly behind. Yes, it's, yes, a finished broken leg. Speaking of broken legs, Toyota in this race just pretty much sucked. Yep, yep. In quali- they, they. I mean, okay, let's let's put it in perspective. Honda was faster than Toyota. Yeah, Honda had, Honda had a solid 10-11 with uh, Toyotas ending up 15th and 16th. I looked on the Toyota website, and usually they've got a little insight into, oh, this happened and this happened, and you know, it was this this got broken and a little accident that no one saw, or some at least explanation. This weekend, basically nothing. They said we had a disappointing qualifying run. That put us in poor position, and we couldn't make anything better happen in the race. And that's about it. You know, the driver interviews, the technical director interviews, the whole thing, it just, we sucked this weekend, and that sucks because we thought we were going to do better. Well, at least they're being honest because they did suck. I mean, Ralph Schumacher qualified 20th. He moved up four places, but hey, that's because people broke. He was two laps down. No real performance at any point in the race. Yeah. And it was it was pretty disappointing. Um, Barrichello for the Honda team was actually showing a little bit of speed. But even then, I mean, compared to what these teams are talking about, what these teams think they should be at, and in the Honda's case, where they have been, it's still extraordinarily disappointing. Yeah, Honda was looking really strong coming into this. They'd actually done a lot of testing at Paul Ricard on the on the short, uh, twisty co- configuration there to try to simulate Monaco because they obviously can't uh, do any testing on a street course. Normally, it's public road. If I own an F1 team, I would try, though. Well, yeah, that, that would be something. <laughs> Have it, but uh, <laughs> Honda doing a, a lot of testing. They said, oh, we found a lot of time in the car. You know, we had some issues with the brakes. We sorted out, and, and you know, Rubens Barrichello especially was really upbeat. And so they look solid coming into this and, you know, really optimistic. And then here they are. They just do. They end up, you know, 10th and 11th. It's just another lackluster weekend. It's it's unfortunate. Well, and I have to say I love Monaco. I love the fanfare and the the just the bigness, the enormity of the event and everything else. But this was, quite frankly, a pretty boring race. And I hate to say that. I, I would have liked to see some closer competition if it weren't for Lewis Hamilton Giving Alonzo uh, some pressure, I think I would have gotten a nice little nap. Yeah, Alonzo really just ran away from it. Massa had nothing, and uh, exactly. I mean, if Lewis Hamilton hadn't at least had sort of a run up near the end, a little bit of excitement of "Oh, is he going to pass? Is could he win this?" It, you know, they really pretty much got into their positions, and sure, they shuffled around a little bit in the pit stops, but the first four drivers stayed exactly where they qualified. Absolutely, and uh, that's you know, it's basically just a big parade being played out at that point. 
Yes, but the weekend as a whole did deliver. Qualifying was very exciting. And we mentioned it earlier, uh, Kimi Raikkonen had a problem in Q2. He, he uh, ran into the barrier, caused that he was out. Coulthard and Kovalainen had a little incident. There was this big controversy, and we at the F1 show kind of disagree with, I guess, everyone else. Uh, Coulthard was just ahead of Kovalainen, and almost everyone thought that Coulthard blatantly blocked Kovalainen. And as a result, even the F, uh, you know, Formula One ended up uh, bringing him back and penalizing him for the, for the race. Uh, originally, uh, Coulthard qualified eighth in Q2. He was advancing to the final 10 in Q3, and Kovalainen did not advance. Uh, he was penalized, and he was bumped back, and that's how Button got into the top 10 for Q3. Um, to me, it just looked like uh, Coulthard was warming up. He had a little wiggle exiting one corner, and he was just following his line. I thought it was ludicrous that every made, everyone made such a big deal out of it. Yeah, let's, let's walk through this uh, a little bit here for those that aren't quite sure what we're talking about. Um, Coulthard was on his outlap, and, uh, and Kovalainen came up really quick, quite quickly behind him and, and just caught him up in, in, I mean, all of Monaco is a tight, twisty part, but an especially tight and twisty part. Extra, super tight, twisty part. Exactly. And, uh, and Coulthard had, had a little wiggle, and it, I guess, looked like he was sort of, he was letting Kovalainen go by for the pass. It's sort of, you know, the way the car moved, it's, it could be construed as, here, I'm getting out of the way, go ahead and take this corner, which is what Kovalainen did, but you could tell on that lap that Heike Kovalainen was really pushing it. I mean, just going through his mind as a rookie driver who's hasn't done great this season is really just sort of really trying to prove himself and if he's on a good lap and it's feeling good I mean you got to just all the all the pressure and all the feelings and everything going into that and he sees a little bit of movement from David Coulthard's car and figures okay he's getting out of the way I'm going to go for this corner when in fact Coulthard was just had just made a little correction himself Coulthard goes through the corner at the usual line um sort of not realizing that uh that Rosberg was even back or sorry that Kovalainen was even back there and uh and goes through it, and uh, I mean, good for Heike to not not make a crash out of it. I mean, he was quick enough to get on the brakes, and and it, it sort of shot his lap time. But uh, it's you know, it's a little tricky to say. Could have gone one way or the other. But um, you know, I I think you know we both agree that it, Coulthard didn't do anything on purpose wrong anyway. Certainly not on purpose. And he admitted he was not upset about the penalty. He basically said, look, I didn't know I was blocking anybody. I was told that Kovalainen was on an outlap as well, and it was surprised me and. He didn't apologize, but he was basically, he was definitely saying, hey, I didn't know what was going on, and he did, wasn't fighting. But at the same time, from Kovalainen's standpoint, he thought that he was being blocked. And to me, he, he came out on the inside and he tucked his nose, and, but it, it wasn't. It was not a complete pass. He did not make his presence known in what I would consider as legitimate. Now, certainly this is qualifying, not racing, but I think that uh, Kovalainen was definitely overexcited, and I think that people just got. You know, caught up in it. It's wrapped up in, in, the, in the past and the, the event. Yeah, certainly. So, you know, it, it's one of those things. And here's another uh, qualifying thing. S- uh, Scott Speed qualified in 18th, abysmal qualifying. But yet again, the race comes out and he is rocking. Yeah, he ended up in ninth spot. And we heard uh, probably about two-thirds through the race, um, you know, after the second round of, of pit stops and so on, that his brake pedal was going all the way to the floor. Yeah. Now, if you remember back, that is the exact reason David Coulthard retired from Malaysia, saying, oh, the brake pedal's to the floor, it's not safe, no good. A couple Robin, laps later, in, yeah, in the pits. Robin made fun of him for that, for being an old man, and I, I sort of stuck by him and saying, hey, you got no brakes, that's, that's, that's got to be pretty scary out there. Well, Scott Speed apparently just has the cojones to stick with it, ended up ninth spot. I mean, that's, that's a great result for the STR team. 
And you know, I got to give him credit for just just rocking out. I mean, that that youngster, you know, he's got more got more gumption to keep going than DC. Well, well these colors don't run, Jim. <laughs> but yeah. no, Speed Speed did tremendously well. He got on the radio and he's like, "Hey, uh, my my." The brakes are going to the floor, and his and his crew member came back. He's like, "Yeah, um, good luck." <laughs> and and he rocked out. He said, "Keep pushing," and Scott did. So I mean, great for him to for do that. It would have been great to see a point for him, um, just to to you know actually have some numbers behind that you know that ninth spot. I mean, it's he's just outside the points, but you know, great job, Scott. And uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully you can do better in, in Canada and especially in the U.S. in front of a home crowd. Absolutely, I think I think he's putting in solid drive after solid drive. He doesn't seem to quite be on top of qualifying. He, that, that just tends to be—he tends to be outperformed by Liuzzi, his teammate. But you know, every race, especially especially the first couple laps, he really pounces on the starts. He makes up a lot of positions early, and then as long as his car holds up, he does really strong. I am very much looking forward to seeing him in Canada and in Indianapolis to see what he can do. Yeah. One last note about Toyota and their and their poor performance. Williams Toyota is now consistently better than Toyota Toyota. Um, they've got more championship points. Uh, just you know, the, Nico Rosberg is seem you know is it seems to be better, just doing a lot better results than the Toyota drivers. And I mean, you got to wonder. It's the same power plant, but is it the drivers? Is I mean, are Yarno Yarno and Ralph really just sort of not at not at the top of their game anymore? I mean, it's well, that, yeah, that's interesting. Now it, it's hard to say because I'm definitely a big fan of both Alexander Vertz and Mark Weber. I think they're both solid drivers. That's great for Mark Weber. He actually does drive through Red Bull now. Yeah, I just like Weber. I just thought he should be mentioned. But I'm a big fan of both Alexander Vertz and Nico Rosberg. Oh, okay. yeah, and uh, Nico Rosberg especially. I think you know he's someone that deserves a mention. He actually qualified fifth for this race. Uh, it didn't. The race distance didn't pan out as well for him, but. Both Nico and uh, Verts are very good drivers, and they they both have good attitudes. They're articulate, and the Williams team, in my opinion, is just one of those classic Formula One teams. They've been around for a long time, and they continue to push. And they can you they they're they're committed to the sport, and that's obvious. And um, their their performance is starting to show it. You know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this weekend, Alex Verts got his first two points, uh, finishing seventh spot this weekend, and you know it's it's good to finally see him put some points on the board because. He sort of gets lost, I think. You know, Nico Rosberg gets the gets the limelight, um, being being younger, new driver, and so on. But uh, you know, Alex Verts has been a test driver for a while. Well, he's also the son of KK Rosberg, yeah. world champion himself. I mean, there's there's definitely an obvious there's an obvious instant uh, celebrity to Nico, I and mean, that's part of it. Yeah. So you know, it's I guess Toyota, man, shape up because you know your customer cars are you know are beating you your your factory cars pretty well and. I mean, this weekend the, the the proper Hondas did finish ahead of the Super Aguri Hondas. Um, I think Super probably still has, because has, the Super Aguri Hondas were yelled at for going too fast, but that's just my guess. <laughs> so, you know that although Takuma Sato does have the one point, and uh, Honda Factory still still has nil, right? Yeah, I believe still, so. Still nothing on the board for for real Honda. So goose eggs. These uh these whole the whole customer car issue. I mean, just you know continues to be a bit of an interesting interesting way that's playing out. Yeah, so now we have two weeks, and then we're heading to North America. We've got the Canadian Grand Prix at the Circuit de Gilles-Villeneuve. And then a week later, we're going to Indianapolis for the uh, USGP, which Indy is going to be super, super, super duper exciting. Yep. And uh, that's what's happening. Now, we have a couple of quick notes. First, we have a Formula One F1 show first, a correction. Uh, last episode, I mentioned that uh, Jensen Button had... Uh, 
podium-filled uh, season in 2005. I misspoke. It was 2004. 2005 was no good for Button. That was uh, Alonzo's first championship-winning season. And so, quick correction there. 04 was when Button scored his podiums. And also, we are going to drift away from Formula 1 just a little bit and give a well-deserved shout-out to Dario Franchitti, who won the Indianapolis 500 for the first time, drinking the milk, and getting to celebrate with his lovely, lovely wife, Ashley Judd. Well done, Dario. Very well done. So, not quite as much action as last weekend, but there it is. As usual, if you have any questions, comments, feedback, or whatever about our show, uh, email us at feedback at f1show.com. And for any, anything else, uh, leave comments on the episodes and, and look up past episodes and notes and so on. Just visit us online at f1show.com. Until two weeks from Canada, I'm Robin Warner. I'm Jim Lau. See ya. How many times do I have to tell you you cannot urinate in a barn full of woodchucks? It don't work that way. Yeah.